Welcome back to Attack of the Drones. Let's continue on with our documentary. Watch closely. This plane over England has a crew at the controls, passengers in the back, but something extraordinary is about to happen. A pilot on the ground is taking over. Ready to take control? I'm proceed. I have control. You want control? This is the $94 million Astria project by the British aerospace company BAE, one of several efforts around the world to develop planes that can be flown remotely. And what you can hear at the moment is the discussion with air traffic that's um, exactly the same discussion the pilots would be having if they were in charge of the steering of the aircraft. Military success with drones has driven much of the interest, and some efforts are focused on airplanes in hazardous conditions, such as hurricane research and fighting wildfires. Analysts say pilotless planes could be a $400 billion a year global business. Debate over pilotless planes has been revived with the emergence of evidence suggesting German Wings Flight 9525 may have been crashed by the co-pilot on purpose. For, what, for more on what it would take to get a pilotless plane off the ground, Kim Jian reports. Speculation that a 27-year-old co-pilot intentionally crashed a plane has led some to question whether planes might be safer without pilots. Advocates of the idea say that if planes were fully automated, the tragedy of German Wings Flight 9525 could have been averted. The co-pilot has reportedly prevented the captain from re-entering the cockpit after he left, before sending the plane into a descent that led to the crash. The disaster has already led to calls in Europe for a rule requiring that two pilots be in the cockpit at all times. Self-flying aircraft that can be controlled from the ground are not entirely new. Drones have been used for military missions for years. The U.S. military flies Global Hawk drones nearly the size of a Boeing 737 passenger jet. And Boeing says it's developed fully automated planes to prevent hijackings. Then there are labor unions, which are concerned that self-flying planes will leave pilots without jobs. Critics also say self-flying aircraft have their own problems, including an increased vulnerability to hacking. You mean somebody can take all this over? So, so, so let me get this straight. Drones are soon going to be driving all of our cars, all of our trucks, all of our trains, all of our planes, and I don't know about you, but I really do hope nobody hijacks the whole transportation system for some sort of nefarious purpose. I, I mean, that would be a Skynet scenario, wouldn't it? I mean, I mean, think about it. You couldn't run, you couldn't hide, you couldn't flee, you, you couldn't get your food or goods or any supplies delivered to you. I mean, what's next? They're, they're going to take over our communication or something? Well, funny you should ask that. The seventh invasion of drones that's coming to our planet is in the communication sector. Believe it or not, folks, there are plans right now to use drones to not only fly us in the air, but they're actually having plans right now in place to control all of our communications in the air. Right now, we have satellites providing uh, the means for our global broadcasting system with TV and all that goes along with that. But they're also being used to provide our phones, including the cellular phone communication system as well. And, and we even have satellites controlling our radios with satellite radio services around the world. And my point is much of our communication capabilities around the world are being controlled from above. And believe it or not, many corporations want to even control our internet access as well via drones in the air on a global scale. And this would include tech giants, again, like Google or even Facebook. In fact, here's Google's project Loon, which is their attempt, believe it or not, 
to bring the whole planet online real soon. Sometimes everyone isn't really everyone. Like when people say, everyone's on the internet. Because the truth is, for each person that can get online, there are two that can't. And when you look closer, that everyone looks even less like everyone. In some places, it's more like one in a thousand. In others, it's one in 10,000. And in some places, no one's online at all. But what if there was a way to light up the entire globe and finally make all the world's information accessible to all of the world's people? Well, even though today one in three kids can't get to a real secondary school, everyone could have secondary school come to them. In places where there aren't enough doctors, everyone could be helped by doctors in other places. Farmers everywhere could start using better weather data so everyone could enjoy a bigger harvest. And because small businesses that are on the internet grow twice as fast, everyone could create new opportunities for everyone. But how do we bring affordable internet to everyone? Maybe finding an answer starts with looking somewhere new. Like up. And trying something different. Like balloons. Yep, that's right. Balloons. Because it turns out that if you use balloons, it's faster and easier and cheaper to give everyone the internet than it is to give some people the internet. That's why we're giving it a try and why there's hope that someday soon, everyone really will mean everyone. Many people don't realize this, but the majority of the world is not connected to the internet. How do we get cost-effective, inexpensive, and reliable connectivity to the remaining five or six billion people in the world who don't have it? Yeah, we can be up in an hour. Project Loon is the idea that we could create a network of high-altitude balloons that float about 20 kilometers up, and through this network we can give the internet to the entire world. Our balloons are these great big round things, about 15 meters in diameter, but you'd have to have a telescope if you wanted to see one up in the sky. So here's the surface of the planet. From here, right up to about 10 kilometers, this is where rain happens, this is where mountains are, and pretty much all aircraft fly down here. Now, here's our little balloon up here. This is right around 20 kilometers, actually in the stratosphere. And the stratosphere is different because we tend to have layers of wind that go in very particular directions. And by moving up and down through these different layers, we can steer. So by catching the right wind, we can keep the balloons together enough to give good coverage on the ground. We can sail with the winds and shape the waves and patterns of these balloons so that when one balloon leaves, another balloon is set to take its place. 
The balloons communicate with specialized internet antennas on the ground. So this antenna here points up at the sky and talks to this balloon. And each one of these balloons talks to their neighboring balloons and then back down to the ground station, which is connected to the local internet provider. What this does is it creates a network in the sky. Let's carry on then, we need to get that antenna on. We've designed our radios and antennas specifically to receive signals from Project Loon only in order to achieve the high bandwidth over long distances involved. If we didn't filter out the other signals, the technology just wouldn't work. I got it. The balloons are completely solar powered and we control them through Loon Mission Control. All right, I think your plan is great. Do the ascent on 46 and 47. Set try it like an hour after float. Yeah. Okay, we're going to be off the ground in a couple minutes. Before we send them up, we talk to air traffic control. We let them know these balloons are on the way up so they know where they are. And before they come down, we also talk to air traffic control. We can direct them to land in various collection points around the world in order to reuse and recycle their parts. Now, we have some ability to steer in general. However, in the stratosphere, most of the time, the winds actually flow from west to east. Because the winds generally circulate this way, we typically will have bands of our balloons that will be around the world at different latitudes. So if the balloons are circling around the bottom half of the world, eventually the balloon that's over South Africa will pass over South America. One, two, three. <laughs> We're using the sunlight, we're using the wind, we're using all of these things to build this network in the sky. Project Loon is working to bring the technologies of access to everyone on the planet. I run a small farm. When I'm using the internet, the first thing I'll check is the weather, see if my sheep are gonna dry out. And at the moment, the wool's not dry. Um, so I'm just looking for a window so I can plan my week. We've gone through a number of different internet providers to try and get reliable internet. It was so slow that we had to click on a page and um, go and find something to do for 10 minutes. So can you give us a quick update on the, on the launch? Having a team from Google on our farm to try all this for the first time, it's been, been really exciting. Bingo. Yay! And that was fast too. <laughs> <laughs> to be the first person to do that is was a little bit cool as well. <laughs> Having access to the internet can change lives, and there are five billion people on the earth that aren't reached. Balloon-powered internet sounds positively mad, and in a way it is, but it's mad in a very practical way that could just work. Okay, go ahead and say it. I know you want to. That was a loony idea. I get it, haha, okay? But seriously, folks, loony or not, these guys are deadly serious. This is Google, folks. And uh, they, this is serious about this desire to get the whole planet, literally every person, as you saw, connected to the internet. And of course, not to be outdone in this global internet provider race, of all people, even Facebook is also vying for control of the global internet access providers. Except they're not using balloons, they're relying on drones. And these drones can stay up for years at a time. 
Watch this. Facebook may be getting closer to its goal to make the internet accessible to the entire planet. Media reports say it is in talks to buy solar-powered drone maker Titan Aerospace for $60 million. The so-called atmospheric satellites could beam internet signals around the world. Titan CEO Vern Rayburn wouldn't comment on any deal, but told Reuters Titan has flown a scaled-down prototype of the plane. Commercial operations are scheduled for 2015. The concept is similar to Google's Project Loon, aiming to use solar-powered air balloons to beam the internet to remote regions. CNET's Lindsay Turrentine. It may be a little bit of a race. It's sort of an interesting time, right? There are five billion people in the world who don't really have reliable internet access. Uh, that, that's plenty of people to reach out to, but it, it, one would think that the first internet connectivity uh, a person meets for the first time, they're probably going to stick with for a while. Uh, you know, Google's been working on this for a little while, so it'll be interesting to see who covers more ground, you know, literally and figuratively, first. According to TechCrunch, they would build 11,000 solar-powered drones that could stay in the air for five years and would provide 3G internet access in regions like Africa. To avoid legal issues, they would stay above FAA-regulated airspace. But there could be other red flags. You know, anytime you have um, what amounts to an essential piece of a daily life owned by a specific company. There are always concerns about the content that's channeled through that, you know, that service. And uh, we have we have a lot let to, yet to learn. We have a lot to see. What we, we gotta have to see what happens here. But there is a little bit of a concern there, right? If Facebook is the channel for all information coming in from the internet, what is Facebook? What is Facebook actually going to do with access to information outside of the Facebook ecosystem? Getting the whole world online is a dream of Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg's. He spoke about it and the Internet.org effort at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. But I think if we can do this well as an industry, then within five years, I certainly hope the number of people that we're connecting is a lot more than the billion that, um, that we put that, that someone put in the video that, that played right before you and I came up here. I, mean, I, I would hope that you know, in the next 10 years we can really make progress at connecting most of the rest of the world. Oh, by the way, you'll be interested to know that Google ended up buying Titan Aerospace at the end. Uh, don't know if they outbid Facebook or what, but Facebook all of a sudden went with uh, Titan's competitor in the UK, uh, a drone-based company called Ascenta, that can basically do the same thing. But for those of you wondering, well, so what? Who cares if all of our forms of communication are controlled from above on a global scale using internet drones or balloons or whatever? Who cares? Well, let me see if we can put all this together for you. Think about all the things we can now do with the internet itself. All information, all finances, all knowledge, all forms of media are all being connected and merged with this new invention called the internet. And the key word there, I believe, is net. In other words, the net is closing in around on you and I. And it's not just in existence right now, but we've already, in just a few short years, been conditioned to accept it and rely upon it for almost all of our needs including financial needs. I mean, think about it. You can, you can buy online, you can sell online, you can bank online, you can make your calls online, you can do all your studying and research online, you can, you can even shop online, you can now watch TV online, you can register online, you can make your appointments online, you can do just about anything and everything online. Here's my point, everything is going online. Have you noticed that? Now here's the whole point. Whether people realize it or not, 
It's a giant matrix system that's starting to control everything we do on a global scale, including our finances, including buying and selling. And that just happens to sound like an event that's going to happen during that judgment day we saw earlier that Jesus mentioned as the worst time in the history of mankind. In fact, it's called the Mark of the Beast system. Revelation 13, 16 through 17. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark in his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark. We not only have microchips right now that can communicate and connect with this global matrix system for buying and selling, but this same microchip can be implanted in or on permanently a person's body. And during the coming judgment day, one guy, the Antichrist, will be able to restrict people's access to this global matrix system, which will give him the ability to control all the buying and selling on the whole planet. Now let's go back to this global communication system that's being built before our very eyes with satellites, balloons, drones, or whatever. Right now, we can access this matrix, the internet, and other forms of communication with a certain amount of freedom. But what if one day somebody, some entity, hijacked this system, then what would we do? I mean, you talk about the ultimate power play, right? Then they could make, order, force, cause people to do whatever they want them to do, including buying and selling. And the problem is with all this communication technology all being built and controlled above, that's a lot of power in one place that none of us could ever reach, right? And if it ever did get hijacked, you not only could not do anything about it, you'd be shut out of this system just like that. And drones are at the forefront of making all this a reality. They're invading our homes, our media, they're taking over our agriculture, they're controlling the commercial products, what we buy and sell, they're taking over our medical services and transportation services, and now they're taking over all our global communication systems that's being wrapped around our planet, connecting everything together, giving drones the power to control virtually all facets of society. And by the way, I didn't show you all the ways drones are being released. There's more areas they're going into, but I think you can begin to understand why. I keep using the words like attack or invasion because drones really are everywhere. It's really an invasion and we're just seeing the beginning of all that. And so the question is, do we see any signs of somebody actually trying to control this whole system of drones around the planet that's starting to control everything we do? Could somebody really hijack it like in the Terminator movie's Skynet scenario? The answer, unfortunately, is yes. And that's because the excuse is now here. You see, because there's been so many drones already launched in the skies and, and we haven't seen anything yet, it's leading to a whole new problem that we're just now starting to see in the news. And that's drone scares. Oh no, what are we going to do? They're everywhere. They're crashing into all kinds of places, wreaking havoc and causing all kinds of trouble and danger. What are we going to do? Let's take a look at that concern. The government is getting near daily reports, and sometimes two or three a day, of drones flying near airplanes and helicopters or close to airports without permission, federal and industry officials tell the Associated Press. It's a sharp increase from just two years ago when such reports were still unusual. Many of the reports are filed with the Federal Aviation Administration by airline pilots. But other pilots, airport officials, and local authorities often file reports as well, said the officials who agreed to discuss the matter only on the 
condition that they not be named because they weren't authorized to speak publicly. Michael Toscano, president of a drone industry trade group, said FAA officials also have verified the increase to him. Drone crash right in the middle of a Memorial Day parade in Marblehead. The tiny aircraft hit a building, then hit a man. The drone's operator told police he never thought the gadget could do any damage. Ryan Kaff spoke with the victim who fortunately wasn't seriously hurt. One-year-old Ellery is too young to remember today's Memorial Day parade, but her dad might be telling stories about it when she's older. If it was going to fall on somebody, thankfully it fell on me. Like others at the parade, Scott Yunt noticed a drone hovering above the crowd and taking video of the festivities. Scott was standing right here near the toy store in downtown Marblehead. At some point, the drone lost control, smacked into the building, and dropped to the ground. And then I heard people yell, and then all of a sudden I felt this clunk on my head and on the back of my neck. And I'm like, oh, I just got hit by the thing. Scott has a bandage covering the cut on the back of his neck, but a viewer shared this video with WBZ, showing moments right after the drone crashed above Scott and also ricocheted into another woman. A drone fell from the sky, right? That viewer also took video of the drone owner, who seemed to realize how badly things could have turned out. That's because just seconds earlier, Scott had been holding his daughter in his arms. He says the close call raises big questions about the tiny aircraft and how they're regulated. Out of that mystery in Seattle and for some, the frightening sight in the sky. Tourists spotting something strange buzzing around their famous space needle while they were up there. Some were amused, waving at it, others downright troubled by this. And tonight we've learned it was a drone. But we ask here who was flying it and should anyone be allowed to fly a drone that close to an American landmark? ABC's Cecilia Vega now with more of those pictures tonight and now the debate. Right there, high in the Seattle skies, a drone. The FAA now telling ABC News it is looking into that tiny remote control powered aircraft hovering above the observation deck of the famous Space Needle. While curious tourists waved, the mysterious flying object gave security quite a scare. Police say a man launched the drone right out of his hotel room window. There was no malcontent or malice. He wasn't trying to do anything wrong. It is just the latest incident raising questions about whether it's safe to fly drones above crowded cities. Take a look at this drone buzzing over the busy streets of New York last year and crash landing, nearly hitting pedestrians at the height of rush hour. And there also have been close calls with airplanes. We just saw a little drone below us. A drone last year coming within 200 feet of a jumbo jet. Drones like these are exploding in popularity, but the rules already in place for how and where they can fly haven't caught up yet. Drones are no longer a figment of sci-fi films. They're becoming the latest technology in broadcast and advertising, monitoring natural disasters, and even delivering medicine to remote locations. But what's the flip side of capturing a beautiful bird's eye view? And should we be worried? I think that privacy is a huge concern um, for both uh, the public and the industry. New technologies are more accessible and MPs have launched an inquiry into drone use and privacy. There is nothing stopping your neighbour from buying um, a very simple toy helicopter and put it, putting a camera on it, for example, or, or something like that. And, and spying on their neighbours. Commercial drone operators say they have far too much to lose to deliberately invade people's privacy, and hobbyists are to blame for inappropriate drone use. We are the ones who are targeted by the regulators as opposed to the, 
know, uh, all the hobbyists which are potentially flying into the um, Sydney Harbour Bridge, for example, that was done by a hobbyist, or another hobbyist flying into the Sydney airport and crashing their aircraft there. The Civil Aviation Authority isn't responsible for privacy, but admits it's difficult to identify a drone pilot if they break the rules. Well, of course, it is challenging sometimes to be able to uh, to identify uh, people who have been flying a remotely piloted aircraft or, uh, or a hobby drone, in this case we're talking about, um, because uh, obviously unless you're there to see the person actually doing it, very hard to put the evidence together. It might be just as difficult to monitor privacy. It was streaky. It was so scary. And on your side, Investigators Exclusive, a seven-year-old boy is frightened after he says a neighbor used a drone to spy on him at home. That boy's father and others in the neighborhood are outraged at what they call an invasion of privacy. The man who was flying the drone says it's all being blown out of proportion. Investigator Joe Douglas has been digging into the story and what the law says about drones. And Joe, first and foremost, was a crime committed here. Steve, this all happened in Vancouver, and police there say no crime was committed. But the laws in Washington and the laws in Oregon are very different when it comes to your privacy and drones. Seven-year-old Drew Sikorsky was at his friend Landon's house Saturday when he says he heard something outside. It was my friend's turn to play Minecraft, and I was, like, sitting right here, and I heard a buzz. There was a drone outside, and I was like, hey, there's a drone outside, and I think it has a camera on it. And so I went over to the door and hided. While Drew was hiding, Landon's grandpa, Mike Meacham, and some friends were hanging out in the garage. That's when they spotted the drone, which looks like this. They're standing around having a conversation. And then a, a drone just came down out of nowhere, like 10 feet above us, and was just hovering, watching us. We all gave it the universal sign of displeasure, and it still didn't go away. And so I went in the house, got my BB gun, and pointed it at it, and it took off. A medical helicopter had a close call with a drone in Schuylkill County on Wednesday. This incident now has people talking about mid-air safety and how to prevent these types of incidents. Eyewitness News reporter Kelly Chilt spoke with the drone expert. She's live now in our control center with more. Kelly? Good evening, Mark and Brittany. The drone that nearly hit the helicopter was flying about 1,000 feet above the ground. That's more than double the altitude recommended by Access Aerial, a drone enthusiast group from Lackawanna County. And tonight I spoke to one of those drone pilots about the precautions they take in the sky. His main concern used to be birds. Uh, now it's drones, so things have changed a little. A life flight helicopter pilot avoided a catastrophe when a drone nearly collided with the chopper as it flew above the Schuylkill County Joe Zerby Airport. A spokesperson for Geisinger Health System says no patients were on board when it happened, but the incident is drawing attention to the safety of drones. You saw in New York where that uh, jetliner hit a, a bird and it had to land on the Hudson River. Imagine a drone getting sucked into the engine of an airliner, what damage that could do. It looks like one of those uh, unmanned drones was flying right on the final. An alert to JFK's air traffic control from a pilot about to land. A warning about a remote-controlled operated drone flying near the path of his landing zone. Two-mile final, three to four inch feet. That's correct. And this is the third alert in four days. All pilots of aircrafts full of passengers spotting drones dangerously close during a crucial part of the flight. 
The pilot you just heard manned a JetBlue flight from Georgia. The drone appeared four to 300 feet off the ground. On Sunday, two separate pilots spotted drones at altitudes as high as 3,000 feet. The first sighting was at 8:12 in the evening by the pilot of a 747 coming from London. And just a minute later, we just had a fly over. So I don't know if it was a drone. For a balloon, it just came real quick. A Delta pilot alarmed by another possible drone as he approached JFK. These planes have all been uh, being approached while they're uh, landing, so they're all close to the ground, which means the pilot really doesn't have a whole lot of room for maneuvering. Ken Honig is a former high ranking official with the Port Authority. He said those flying the drones don't take into account the devastating damage they could cause. If the uh, Unmanned the UAV gets too close to an airplane, it could get sucked into a jet engine. Uh, the kind of damage that would be done by a bird, it could be amplified by the metal parts inside one of these UAVs. Next tonight to an ABC News exclusive passenger jets dodging drones, pilots scrambling to avoid them. ABC's David Curley getting answers. Tonight, ABC News has learned that more of these type of drones have gotten close to passenger jetliners in the New York area, even forcing evasive action by some pilots. A senior aviation source tells ABC News that in just the past 30 days, there's been an increase in incidents, one in just the past 48 hours. In two of those incidents, the source tells ABC News, the pilots have turned their aircraft away, worried about possible collision with the unmanned drones. We've heard those concerns before. A pilot on approach to JFK reported a close call. Kennedy Tower, we just saw a little drone below us. Roman Perosic Jr. was an avid flyer of remote control helicopters. He was flying this chopper at a park in Brooklyn on Thursday. When police say he lost control of it, he was struck in the head and killed. Some within the FAA fear something worse. Since June 1st, pilots have reported more than two dozen near collisions with rogue drones to the FAA. This week, three commercial pilots reported seeing drones while on final approach to JFK International. The unknown drone came within just 50 yards of a helicopter over Cleveland Friday at 1,700 feet. Now, folks, I don't know how much more proof you need. I mean, this is serious. A guy even got killed by one of these automated machines. In fact, it's getting so bad out there with this invasion of drones, and again, we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg, that people are now wanting to hunt down and kill these drones. Take a look at this. And only on 7 News, a small Colorado town considering a bold move, putting a bounty on drones, even issuing hunting licenses to shoot them down. 7 News reporter Amanda Koss talking to the man behind the ordinance and town leaders who see dollar signs. About 60 miles east of Denver, a town easily missed in the blink of an eye. Deer Trail was like a hustling, bustling place 100 years ago, but uh, you know, not so much now. You're looking at this small town's biggest claim to fame. It's the site for the world's very first rodeo. Now this town is looking to start another first right here on these grounds, the first drone hunt. And I would like to be known for first place in America to have a drone hunting license. Philip Steele drafted a town ordinance providing unmanned aerial vehicle hunting licenses and bounties. Wouldn't that be a federal offense? I'm going to shoot it down, ordinance or no. Under the ordinance, a $25 license would buy 21 and up permission to aim at unmanned aerial vehicles, but only with a shotgun, 12 gauge or smaller, pointed to the sky. Deer Trail would pay licensed shooters $25 for identifiable parts of a drone 
and 100 for a whole or nearly intact one. Sounds like it's becoming perilously close to warfare with animal rights activists flying unmanned drones in order to spy on sportsmen who are allegedly trying to shoot them down. It's a game of aerial reconnaissance between the animal rights group Shark and the Wingpoint Hunt Club in Perry Township, Berks County. The pigeon shooters have basically gone into hiding. So they're using a ring that was completely, it's up a hill and completely surrounded by trees. And so the only way you can get to it is through the air. The protesters were outside the Wingpoint Club Sunday where they say a pigeon shoot was taking place. Shark was flying a remote-controlled octocopter drone outfitted with GPS and a camera over the shoot to record video to put on YouTube when they said something happened. The camera picture from the drone froze and Steve Hindi says he knew it had been shot. I said, that sounded different. I'm going to bring it back. And, uh, and as soon as I hit the come home feature, the craft went crazy because its compass was knocked out. The smoking drone landed hard and the animal rights group called Pennsylvania State Police to investigate. The shark group says this is the fourth time one of their drones has been shot at while trying to spy on what they claim are inhumane pigeon shoots. When they do this, it only makes us more determined. We are going to see these pigeon shoots stopped. You're watching video from a drone hovering over a beautiful home in Southern California and you won't believe what happens next. The homeowner runs out his front door with a shotgun. The drone flies away with the guy in hot pursuit. His friend is recording cell phone video of the wild chase. Now watch as the homeowner goes around his house, spots the drone again, and takes aim and fires. Here's what the drone's camera sees. It's a bullseye. Larry Bro of Valencia, California is the homeowner who shot down the drone. He told me he believes the drone was sent over his house in a deliberate act of harassment. I get an anonymous phone call on my um, answer machine saying get rid of your eyesore sign or you won't have any privacy. How many chimps does it take to down a drone? One plus a branch. Watch a middle-aged female named Tushi get off her tush and whack that sucker at Burger Zoo in the Netherlands. She hit it uh, spot on and... Uh... Well, it's collapsed. Zoo spokesman Boss Lucanar saw it happen and was flabbergasted. They were shooting an episode for a TV show about the zoo. The chimps in the tree didn't just happen to be holding branches. Zoo officials said they armed themselves against the drone. Tushy is notorious for having a good arm for throwing things. The drone, worth a little over 2,000 bucks, was demolished. That was uh, a bummer. But it wasn't a bummer for the chimps on the ground who took some ultra close-up selfies, chimpin' selfies, as the zoo calls them. But the chimps got bored with the camera a lot faster than humans do. Remember when GoPro cameras were always getting stolen by creatures like octopuses? So passe. Now critters have branched out to drones, from a golf course goose to a swarm of bees attacking a drone from a Florida TV station. When you see the video, it looked like, you know, Star Wars. Then there was the New Zealand ram named Rambro, who rammed a drone. The funny thing is that when the drone operator came face to face with the ram, he acted like a chimp. As the owner retrieved his downed drone, he used a stick to ward off Rambro, just like you know who, 
Tushy reminded us of yet another ape being buzzed. King Kong eventually lost his perch, but Tushy... Well, these chimpanzees have out-clevered the humans. It's hard not to drone on about how smart she is. Well, as you can see, nobody likes these things. Not even monkeys. They're not monkeying around with these things, let alone goats or bees or people. In fact, one developer is actually creating a, quote, drone hunting drone to take out drones that spy on you and or annoy you. So drones are going to be killing drones. Unless you think this is a crazy fad and the feds won't take this drone scare invasion series, think again. If you paid attention to the news, there was even a drone that invaded the White House. Uh-oh, now you're in trouble. An incident at the White House is once again raising major concerns about security at a building that, of, co of course, is supposed to be among the most secure on the planet. This time, it was a small drone that breached the airspace above and crashed right onto the White House grounds. NBC's Kristen Welker has our report. In the pre-dawn darkness, Secret Service officers combed the White House grounds after this drone crashed into a tree on the South Lawn at 3 a.m. This afternoon, Secret Service officials said a man contacted them six hours after the crash and said the drone was his. Law enforcement sources say the man told them he wanted to test the device in bad weather and lost control. President Barack Obama arrives at Rajput. President Obama and the First Lady are traveling in India, but daughters Malia, Sasha, and their grandmother are here. Security experts say while this drone might not have posed a threat, another drone might. My concern is this is a new delivery system for a weapon. Drones are increasingly sophisticated and affordable. Just last week, drug smugglers crashed one of the devices transporting meth from Mexico to California. A year and a half ago, German Chancellor Angela Merkel got an unwelcome surprise when a camera-equipped drone landed near her feet at a campaign event. So what can the Secret Service do? I think something that would give them adequate warning uh, would be a combination of radar and uh, video analytics that could scan the sky 360 degrees uh, around the secure compound. And the incident raises new questions about the Secret Service already under scrutiny after a series of security lapses, including a man jumping over the fence and making it all the way inside the White House last September. House Oversight Chairman Jason Chaffetz says the agency is focused on drones. Ever since the incident with the German Chancellor, it's been on their radar, but they've got to solve it. Okay, that's it. As you can see, that's the last straw. You've got to solve this somehow. I mean, it's one thing to have a drone invade a personal space or a small town, uh, become a nuisance in the air, but what about the White House? I mean, you can't have that breach of security. I mean, what are we going to do? Help, help. Well, can you say create a crisis so you can manage the outcome? With all these drone scares popping up all over the world, as you just saw, Looks like we need somebody to control these drones all over the world for us on a global scale. In other words, we need the government to protect the people from all this misuse or abuse of drones, or, or, or people are going to be harmed by them all across the planet. I, I mean, surely they can manage this new technology and keep us all safe. Well, believe it or not, they already are. Quote, Verizon, the U.S.'s largest wireless telecom company, is developing technology with NASA to direct and monitor America's growing fleet of civilian and commercial drones. According to documents, Verizon signed an agreement last year with NASA, and the project is now underway at NASA's Ames Research Center in the heart of Silicon Valley. Why? 
because, quote, at the moment, there is little to stop operators flying wherever they want. The agency would like a technology that will automatically geofence drones to keep them away from sensitive areas like the White House. Then this will allow them to, quote, ground drones in bad weather, help them to avoid buildings and each other while they're flying and, and decide which drones have priority in congested airspaces. NASA is also considering monitoring drones with a range of sensors, including radar, orbiting satellites, and cell phone signals, which means this control of drones is going global. Can you believe this? I, I, I wonder what they're going to call this system. Skynet? Hello. But it sure looks to me like all these drone scares have worked like a charm to create a single global entity controlling all these drones, no matter who you are, where you are, they will decide. They will control all of them for us. Isn't that nice? I, I just hope nobody or nothing or some nefarious entity hijacks it. Well, folks, believe it or not, that's only half the concern. You see, drones are not only invading the world and being controlled around the world, but now, just like Skynet, just like the Terminator movies, drones are being equipped to kill people around the world. This is the second half of the concern of the Skynet scenario. Right now, governments and militaries around the world are not only starting to control the usage of drones, but they're even developing drones with deadly weaponry to, of course, better protect us, they say. Uh, and they literally have turned these machines into deadly, lethal weapons, flying weapons through the air, just like in the Terminator movies. So now let's switch gears in this invasion and look at the deadly ability of drones. Can you tell me if the Terminator movies and the whole Skynet scenario is about to become our horrible reality very soon? And the first deadly ability of drones is in the police force. You see, if drones are going to be able to watch out for stray dogs or dangerous poachers as we saw, then why couldn't they help our police forces find all those criminals and those other so-called dangerous characters or bad guys, right? It only makes sense. And that's precisely the rationale that's leading to this next invasion of drones all over the world. In fact, it's already begun. Believe it or not, the UK police force has already launched them onto its populace, quote, fighting fire with fire. Check this out. You may have been too engrossed with the pictures to think about how they were filmed. Eastbourne Pier on fire, for example. A vast waste tip in North Kent next to people's homes. Fire damage in Hastings. But they were all filmed not from a helicopter or a plane, but by one of these. An unmanned aerial vehicle or drone to you and me, controlled from the ground by a trained operator working within certain rules about height and distance. This one weighs uh, 1.2 kilos, um, has a 25-minute uh, flight time, and this is the, uh, the little camera that does all the work, little GoPro on here, uh, feeds me pictures back to my um, control unit here. But it's that camera that makes some people nervous. Take this party at a beauty spot outside Brighton last spring. A journalist used his drone to film this, but would it have been right for the police to do so? Officers themselves prefer to stress other ways they come in useful. So let's say the police suddenly have to deal with a big chemical spill or a huge traffic incident that's hard to get to and involves lots of officers. Well, it's so much easier when you've got one camera a couple of hundred feet up in the sky to get the big picture. 
Using a drone like that may be fair enough, one civil liberty group told us today, but... These are movable cameras. They can potentially go into private property. They can be covert or overt. Uh, they really need to be regulated by, by firm guidelines which govern this specific kind of technology, which, which simply wasn't envisaged when the regulation governing surveillance was, was drawn up. Well, it's not snooping at all. It's um, pretty much a camera in the same way that a closed-circuit television camera is on the end of a pole. This is a drone on the end of a very long piece of string. You could, you could put it that way. It's very much about overt use. We're not hiding the fact that we use it. So see, you don't need to worry. You just admitted it. There's no hiding it. It's just like Big Brother closed-circuit TV that's already watching you with all these cameras on the ground everywhere you go. So now they're just expanding it with the drones to watch you from the sky wherever you go. What's the big deal? We're here to protect you. Really? Or are you here to monitor us at all times from the ground or this guy with no place to hide? But that's not all. There are all kinds of rationales they're using to get you and I used to this idea of being watched and tracked from the sky with these drones. You see, a drone from the sky watching us might also not only catch those chemical spills or bad guys robbing a bank or party animals out there, but how about those tax cheats? That's right, folks. Believe it or not, Argentina is doing just that. They are employing drones to find and spot tax cheats, if you can believe that, who haven't reported home improvements to the government, i.e. they're trying to skip out on their taxes. Check this out. My jaw dropped when I found out about this. So what they're doing in the rich parts of Buenos Aires is flying drones over where the rich people live and counting their pools and their mansions. And they came up with 300 pools and mansions that were not declared on tax returns. That's equal to $2 million that the government there is not getting. It's a small chunk of change. It was a small area that they flew the drones over. I think most people would say, yeah, this is inevitable. Zero yes. privacy at this point. You can't lie. There's I mean, technology that will catch you in everything that you do. The surface of the Buenos Aires province is as large as that of a country. We have 6,000 employees, 2,000 of them on the streets, but monitoring each one of the structures that go up in this province is virtually impossible without technological assistance. What aerial images do for us is establish which buildings have not been declared. To give you an idea, since January of this year, we have found 120,000 properties covering 14 million square meters of built area which have not been declared. That represents a tax evasion worth roughly 100 million pesos a year. Studying an area like this one, I don't remember the exact number, but let's say some 50 hectares, that can be done in a 20-minute flight. That's how long it takes to have a good definition, to observe very clear details. In other words, they'll find you real fast with a drone. You will be paying your taxes. And that's still not all. Speaking of cheaters, China is now using drones to spy on their students who might be guilty of cheating on one of their toughest exams, which determines whether or not the Chinese students can get into university. Watch this. It's test time in China, and the stakes are sky high. Nine million students face nine hours of exhaustive, grueling questions. The Gaokao determines their future, what college they can go to. And in a nation which emphasizes education, these stressed teens are pushed to the limits. IV drips just to stay alert while studying, 
prayer for a joyous result. It's reportedly driven some to take their own lives. For others, the temptation to cheat is overwhelming. Many students' fate hangs in the balance of their performance on this test. Um, so it's incredibly important. Um, and with, with, with so much at stake, uh, the temptations to cheat are very, very high. These days, officers stand guard. In the past, bright college students have been paid to sit the exams in place of other students. But in Luoyang, officials are getting a boost in the fight against would-be cheats. This year, drones like the one seen here will be hovering high above the test halls. They're listening for suspicious chatter from wireless devices. Some so sophisticated, they should be reserved for spy movies. Tank tops complete with transmitter. Glasses which scan and send images simply by pressing a coin. And an unassuming wallet and water bottle complete with camera. If caught, the penalties are harsh. Students are barred from taking the exam for three years. Parents, teachers or anyone else involved can face criminal charges. Needing an eye in the sky shows just how covert cheaters in China have become. But not anymore. They're going to get you with a drone. And did you notice how the drones weren't just watching you, but listening? I mean, what else are they going to do with these things? Funny you should ask. Right now, India is equipping their drones with facial recognition software for smart surveillance and security in the most, quote, complex and dynamic of environments. In other words, have fun trying to hide in a crowd. Drones are going to spot you just like that. But you might be thinking, okay, that's, that's just India and China and the UK. Uh, we're here in the West, in America, uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave. I mean, surely we're not going to let drones do this to us here, are we? Unfortunately, for paying attention to the news, we already are. Facial recognition software is not just already in place all over the ground here in America, but it's now hitting the skies with drones as well. Pretty soon, there is going to be no place to hide anywhere on the planet. Watch this. Every minute of every day, whether you're out on the street, working in the office, or sneaking into the kitchen, chances are someone's watching. Facial recognition technology was once something only sci-fi flicks could dream up, but now it's beginning to look a lot stranger than fiction. The FBI is planning on having a collection of over 12 million searchable frontal photos. So here's how the process works. You take a camera, like this one. Then you take a picture, like this. And then it's uploaded onto a database. And here's where the magic happens. The picture is then cross-referenced with other pictures in the already existing database, pairing up, you know, your features, like cheeks, eyes, what have you. Every facial recognition software has different methods, algorithms, if you will, but you get the point. Facebook, for instance, is already employing similar technology and getting a lot of flack for it. If you have a Facebook account, chances are you've already used it without even knowing about it. When you upload pictures, Facebook automatically picks out similar looking people and cross-references the pictures with others that have been uploaded to the site. It's not completely accurate, but arguably getting there. And it's not just social media companies either. The government is getting into the mix as well, paying private companies to follow you around. You may have heard a lot about a certain company as of late called Trapwire. 
Though not much has been confirmed about the program, we do know this, that the quote, sophisticated predictive software used to predict terrorist attacks is already in place in cities such as Los Angeles, New York, Las Vegas, and DC, with a limitless data bank with who knows what or who. Well, there you have it. It seems the days of anonymity are long gone. And it's not just the camera, but the data bank you should also be afraid of. Is Chris Dorner being hunted by a drone with facial recognition scanners? Chris Dorner, the ex-LAPD officer who's on the run, is being hunted by a drone, an unmanned aerial vehicle. Some reports said that falsely, allegedly, that it was an armed drone. Uh, reports are denying that, saying that it is just an unmanned aerial vehicle surveillance drone. But I'm going to show you the evidence that they may be using a very advanced facial recognition scanning drone. Uh, here is some old news back from 2011 that the Army was developing drones that could recognize your face from a distance. Now, of course, we have facial recognition systems on computers, cell phones, um, secretly put up in cities around America, the trap wire system that was discovered after the Stratfor emails were hacked. Oh, yeah, you may not be aware of this, but yes, there's a secret facial recognition system already in place in major cities around America, and they've been developing facial recognition drones, drones that can fly through the sky, fly over crowds, and pick you out of the crowd or pick the target out of the crowd. Here is a story back from 2008 in National Defense Magazine that covers an unmanned aerial drone that has facial recognition scanners. So 2008, I mean, that's the iPhone was, came out in 2007. So just imagine the difference between the first iPhone and the iPhone 5. That's the difference between this facial recognition capable drone and what they have today. Now, Chris Dorner um, obviously hasn't surfaced recently, and he's, this comes just a week after the number one story in the country was the rise of the drones. And now we're using a drone to hunt the American terrorist. Here is a press release put out by a company um, back last year in July explaining that they were developing or had developed a facial recognition system on a drone. So are they using a facial recognition drone to hunt for Chris Dorner? That's not exactly speculation. It's a very realistic possibility. Of course, these that would probably be top secret. Um, the Orwellian nightmare is getting so realistic and the technology is getting ready to unroll that it's going to really freak people out. So for what it's worth, unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, also known as drones, are most likely equipped with facial recognition scanners. I mean, here we have, like I said, 2008. An unmanned aerial vehicle originally designed to detect improvised explosives can now be equipped with facial recognition technology that is aimed at helping Homeland Security officers protect the borders. Oh yeah, that's what you'll use it for. So much for Anonymous. And by the way, if you want to go even deeper on these Big Brother issues, 
We have two other studies you can check out called The Final Countdown Ultimate and The Final Countdown Update 1. And both of these studies deal extensively with hours and hours of information exposing all the different Big Brother technologies out there that are currently, right now, being used on you and I, whether you realize it or not. Not coming, but already in place like you just saw. That facial recognition software, folks, I'm telling you, is the tip of the tip of the iceberg of this Big Brother technology. You might want to check out those studies. But as you can see, even here in America, they're using drones to spy on us. And, and combine that with facial recognition software, and there is no place to hide. But it gets even worse than that. Believe it or not, these drones do much more than just spy on your face. They can actually be used to spy on your conversations as well. Check this one out. So I can see three devices or three mobile phones down below and we're collecting data about at least those three people. That's a hacker. He's using technology installed on a drone to grab cell phone information from people below. This technology has been used on cell phones and laptops. One day it could be installed in a larger aircraft. Think helicopters or small planes. Down the road and uh, yeah, seeing lots of devices. It must be the people walking down the road. He can also see your usernames, passwords, credit card information, and get this, in some cases, your home address. So somebody who's walking around the park, that's most likely their house, one of these houses here. The tech on the drone is called Snoopy. We took Snoopy out for a spin on the streets of London. It'll fly within a relative close distance of a person with a phone tucked safely in their pocket. And if they've left their Wi-Fi on, which most people do in my experience, their phone will very noisily be shouting out the name of every network it's ever connected to. So they'll be shouting out, Starbucks, are you there? You can protect yourself by turning off your Wi-Fi. But if you don't, Snoopy can trick your phone and send back a signal pretending to be the network the phone is looking for. Then the drone can intercept everything the phone sends and receives. So your phone's looking for Starbucks, and I pretend to be Starbucks. Your phone connects to me and then I can see all of your traffic. We tested it out on some dummy accounts we created. And we can see here, it's logging into uh, yahoo.com, so Yahoo Mail, and I created an account, uh, Angela Smith, and there's her username, and her password is abc123. So here's Amazon, also for PayPal. So PayPal, email address, username. And Wilkinson hacked his own Facebook account to demonstrate what that would look like. So let's pick on my Facebook account. So I can just say fetch Facebook profile. And from there I can do something like fetch all Facebook friends. Wilkinson is an ethical hacker. He built the Snoopy drone to highlight insecurities in smart devices. Some of the things Snoopy can do, like steal usernames and passwords, are illegal. Experts say other features, like tracking location data, would probably not break any U.S. laws. If the technology got into hands of uh, criminals or bad hackers, which it may already have done, um, there's all kinds of things they can do. At the most basic level, they can uh, track people through, um, you know, through space and time. In a world where drones fly and tech enables them to potentially spy, it's more important than ever to protect your data. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you're enjoying our documentary. But uh, before you go, let me ask you a couple questions. Did you know the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? Holy means without sin. God is without sin. The problem is we have sin. We've done some things that are wrong. And the problem with this is the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. In other words, we, need to, we deserve to die and be separated from God 
forever in a place called hell. And that's the ultimate question. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Well, unless you deal with the sin issue, the Bible's very clear. We're not going to go up. We're going to go down. And that's what I wanted to share with you today. Uh, God wants to fix this for us. He's made a provision uh, so that we could escape hell and go to heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. But we don't want to admit it. And so out of love, he sent us something called the Ten Commandments. It's his way to give us an x-ray so that we can admit we got a problem, that we have sin inside that separates us from him. And if we would just admit it and ask for his help, he'll fix it. But let's take a look at his divine x-ray. The Bible says in the Ten Commandments, the Ninth Commandment says, uh, if you will, you think you're good enough to get to heaven, you're holy like God, you're without sin, uh, then prove it to God. Don't ever bear false witness. That's the Ninth Commandment, which means lying. So how many guys have ever told a lie ever once in your life? Well, every single one of you should have raised your hand because we all have. Believe it or not, that disqualifies you right there for heaven. The Bible also says you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. Folks, if we're honest, we've done that too. The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And now the blessed name of Jesus Christ has become a common cuss word. That's called the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says you shall not commit adultery. You think you're worthy of getting to heaven? Just march on in there yourself, all by yourself? You don't need God's help? Then don't ever commit adultery. And Jesus said his standards is this. If you ever look at lust with your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, I haven't done that one. Really? Once again, here's the Bible standard. Jesus said that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, is akin to the sin of murder. You just, if you will, pulled the trigger in your heart. But that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You're going to stand before God one day, and you're going to have to admit who you are. He already knows, but you're going to have to admit, hey, God, let me in. Let me into heaven. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, murderer. And the Bible is very clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. But here's the good news. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and I. He took the death penalty in our place. Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And he took our punishment on the cross so that we could be forgiven and set free. It's called a pardon. God wants to pardon you. But that pardon will do you no good unless you reach out and receive it. Won't you do that today? Won't you do that right now? You don't even know if you have tomorrow. You may not even make it through the rest of this documentary. Don't leave this earth without Jesus being your Lord and Savior. Call upon his name. Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says you shall be saved. Well, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. And again, I hope you're enjoying our documentary. But please make sure that you're headed to heaven today. I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.